I'm doing well. Good. I'm a little, I'm a little hot because I had to climb the ladder to replace the light bulb. And thank you for doing that. But other than that, I'm fine. Rob was just. No, we don't even go into that. Okay. But it's fine. Yes. It's just hot. It's finished. It is finished. <laughs> Sorry, we're close to that time. It is. Yeah. Okay. So I've got a gem for you. So I saw this uh, about a half hour ago. This. Um, the show for the first time. No. <laughs> You're in your office. Oh, that's a good show. <laughs> Just watching oh, TV again in my office. This, yeah. this is a good theme song. Trying to figure out what theme song. Saw this Saw this show. I've got a list of uh, top TV show theme songs. Um, and when, Do you oh have it earmarked in your favorites? <laughs> <laughs> During lunch, I just start to peruse. Um, I saw this show. And I haven't thought of that show. In probably 25 years. Funky Brewster. Yet, it would have been amazing if you got it. Oh, it would have been, been so incredible. Um, yet, uh, I remember the show well. It's not a well-known theme song. But I think you're going to know the show. If you get this, I'd be really impressed. It's got an actor in it who is a... Ooh, close to being a household name, I would say. If you grew up in the, in the 60s and 70s and 80s, he's a household name. He's still... Okay. He, he's still present today in in the mainstream. Okay. Are you ready? What genre is the show from, though? Like, we're what decade? Can you tell me that? 70s. 70s? 70s. And you'll hear that in the, theme, in, the, in the theme song. Mm-hmm. Some pessimistic troll. I'll be impressed if you get it. That's all I'm going to say. Gosh. Sorry. I want to go to Google Maps. I want to go to Google. This is quality programming, folks. Oh, this is why you tune in I lost to it. be on I'm Sunday. I'm sorry. I lost it. <laughs> Give me a second. Can you sing it? Hold on. Show me that smile again. Show me that smile. Don't waste another minute on your crying. I love it that you have the whole thing. We're nowhere near the end. We'll know we're near the end. Oh my gosh, stop, 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 stop. Okay. Oh, I have no idea. Oh, you ready? Here we go. The Fall Guy? I don't know. We've done The Fall Guy. No lyrics. That makes it even harder. 70s pop drama? It's clearly pop, yeah. Yes, it is. I, I doubt I've even heard of this show. I think you have. I doubt I have. I wouldn't have guessed it. It's not a good song. It's not, not a like great it. song. It's a bad theme song. Okay, I'm going to give you a couple, couple people that are in it. Okay. Um, supporting role, not the lead role, Adrian Zamed. Remember him? He was in... Uh, Vaguely. But I thought he was in Chips. Maybe he might have been. He he might have been in Chips too. He was also in um, what was the sequel? That sequel to what was the Travolta movie? Saturday Night Fever. No, um, Grease. Olivia Grease. He was in Grease too, I think. Heather Locklear is in it. And here here's the big giveaway, and I'm curious anyone. Already has this. William Shatner. Not a clue. Oh, God. T.J. Hooker. 
T.J. Hooker. And you know what? I, I saw William Shatner a couple weeks ago on just something online. And we are scraping the bottom of the barrel now, Joel. T.J. Hooker. And oh. I saw him, and it didn't even, didn't even make it in the recesses of my brain that William Shatner was T.J. Hooker for a period of time. You know, after he made, so in the 70s, he made the Star Trek, the first two, three movies, two movies? I'm not sure. Took a break. No, when did he? I forget the timeline, but still. Really good show. Did you watch it? <laughs> I loved TJ Hooker. I loved it. Let's jump into the podcast. <laughs> oh, this was. Ugh. I apologize. It feels great when I stump him. As a lover of theme songs, it feels. I'm sorry that that was. Played there is here on our podcast. There's deep joy going through my bones right now that I stumped you. All right, you stumped me two times in a row. Um, you stumped me last time. Too. What was the last one? I don't remember, but you stumped me. Mm. Okay, so we are welcome everybody to Beyond Sunday. I never even said the title. We're at uh, towards the end of our um, current series where we we're looking at some of the ways that. The mainline church, which the PCUSA, which we are a part of, is finding its way again in the world. We've talked about, so far, how we read scripture. Mm -hmm. Last week... We've talked about the journey of how we got, you know, how mainline and kind of evangelicalism kind of took off on their own different paths. That's where we started. How that happened, why this happened, and then uh, biblical interpretation... And social justice. Social justice. That's what we talked about last week. Yes. Yep. And so today we want to talk about the hidden gifts that we find within liturgical worship. That's a phrase you hear in everyday life, isn't it? It is. So how would you describe, and I'll give you my two cents, how would you describe, so we can kind of paint the picture first, how would you describe liturgical worship? What do we mean by Considering you're the one that wants to talk about liturgical worship, I find that you're asking me that first. Well, I want to I want to include you in this. I'm, I want to bring you in. How would I define liturgical worship? First of all, it's worship. That's most important. Hmm. And then it's worship that uses liturgy. What do you mean by liturgy? Um, liturgy is, I would say... Uh, liturgy encompasses quite a bit, depending upon who you ask. But generally, when I think of liturgy in a broad term, liturgy is an order of worship that has litanies within it. And when I say litany, a litany is is often like a leader says one thing, congregation says one thing. Or there's a prayer that we all say together. Um, or there's a structure that's outlined, say, in, the, in a bulletin somewhere mm-hmm. that helps guide the worship service um, from its beginning to its end. Mm-hmm. And when I think of liturgical worship, I think, in the broadest sense, that the liturgy is comprised of litanies and different things, like scripture readings and sermons, and but it's all done with intentionality mm-hmm. from... What is put in the service at what place in the service? Mm-hmm. Um, 
and that every word in those litanies and prayers is very intentional. It's yeah. been thought of. Yep. It's been, um, some of the litanies are authored by people of the congregation or staff. Sure. And a lot of them are curated from other resources. Sure. Um, uh, but it's all designed uh, with uh, within a theme that moves the service forward yep. from beginning to conclusion. Yep. How's that That's for a definition? Excellent. Of liturgical worship? Thank you. Now, how would you define liturgical worship? Mm, gosh, you're gonna ask me that. Um, no, I, I would um, uh, agree and affirm with everything you said. And for me, the big the big difference between other kinds of worship services, in particular more kind of contemporary worship services, is the 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 the, the um, service itself is scripted, and you're you're following. That's along. a much more condensed way of saying everything I said. You yeah, have, it's it's a scripted order of worship. That's a good way of putting it. That you are saying mm -hmm. and responding to as you make your way through a service, and so. Uh, we're talking about some of the hidden gifts of this because um, you can very much walk into a liturgical worship service and it can be uh, extremely boring. I've been in those. Or where, confusing. Or very confusing, yes. Where it is very boring. Mm -hmm. um, you feel like you're saying the same thing um, every week. It's... Um, it can feel like at times uh, that it's it's rote. So I grew up, and you grew up too, in a liturgical worship service. Um, and at times, that's what I felt when I was younger. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and I found myself, especially in my early 20s, kind of yearning for what you might find in a contemporary worship service. And so... By contemporary, what do you mean? So by contemporary, I mean... Um, and these are the ones that I experienced, the flow of the service, and they have their own kind of flow, like a liturgical service. The flow was um, music followed by a welcome from the pastor, followed by a lengthy sermon, followed by music, a prayer, and you're done. So no litanies. No litanies. You often received a bulletin, but it was often just announcements. Yep. Um, and uh, that was, for a period of time, what I was craving. And ex I experienced it for, for a few years. Um, and then when I came back to um, liturgical worship services, uh, I started to slowly discover some of these hidden gifts. Um, and for me, here are a couple of them. I, I realized that liturgical worship services were actually very participatory. Mm -hmm. You have a role to play in that service. Um, and contemporary services and their flow of the services have their own benefits. But oh, yeah. um, uh, what, I, what we're trying to highlight here is some of the hidden benefits that we might not realize of the mainline church. Um, and and so what I, what I was missing, uh, one of the big things for me was um, confession and the assurance of grace that I wasn't finding in the more contemporary services. Um, and um, 
Can you describe the what you mean by confession? I'm not sure. Well, and this is why I, I it's it's well I'll first say this it's 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 arguably my favorite part besides the sermon. <laughs> it's it's one of my favorite parts of, um, if not my favorite part of our service, um, and I remember being in my early twenties in the Lutheran church that I was serving as a youth director, and getting to the confession, and it was often a it was often a, the same confession every week, but then a time to to offer some silent prayers of confession and. I, at that time in my life, my gosh, I just thought I had it all together. Yeah, I, I'm not that bad. Ugh. Or there's times you read the prayer of confession, right? And you're like, wait a second. I don't think I did these things. Absolutely. Like and I, idolatry and... I, and yes. And uh, I, corruption and... And honestly, and, and honestly, at that time, I would would understand the, the idea of sin in, in a very small box. Individual actions only individual actions and a very small list of individual actions <laughs> you know that was it and I was fine on those yeah. and then I get to personal confession I remember this one Sunday thinking I just don't have anything to confess right now in this kind of in that pause and I remember going hmm that's interesting <laughs> wow is there hmm, I wonder if there's something I might want to explore there and so what I've come to discover, especially as I've aged and gotten older, and, you know, like, prior to breakfast, I can usually find three or four things I need to confess, you know? <laughs> like, let's just be honest, right? Let's just be honest, you know? Um, and so now I come to confession, and it's different every week. It's different every week. It, it, it connects with the scripture and the theme that we're trying to say. It's a written prayer of confession it's a written in, prayer the, of in confession. our bulletin. It's something that has aspects of um, that speaks to the individual and speaks to us communally. Mm -hmm. And the communal stuff um, I find to be extremely rich. Mm -hmm. And what I've come to see confession, too, is, is a time to, uh, and this is how I often introduce it, um, is a time to be honest and open mm. with God and with ourselves. Open ourselves up. And when you can kind of open yourself up like that and do some authentic exploration and soul searching, mm. there's always something to confess. Well, I think that's always. I think that's liturgy at its best. Yes. I think you 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 hit it right on its head. Liturgy pushes us. There's something in the act of either saying it or hearing it said around you and in community that pushes us to explore explore things that we're saying in that call to worship or prayer of confession or assurance of grace, right? Because our prayers of confession are always followed by the assurance of grace or the promise that God forgives us, uh, God redeems us. In Jesus Christ, we are made new. You know, uh, we never have confession without grace. The, the act of saying it can, even though it's not your original thought, yeah. And you may not have ever even thought to say something like that in a hundred years. But the fact that you're seeing it and saying it and praying it or proclaiming it or whatever it is that you're doing can push you into uh, a new truth or at least a new openness to exploring this, this new thing before you. 
that you're participating in. And, and there's something really rich and really deep about that. Because sometimes just getting to worship on a Sunday is a giant accomplishment, oh, whether sure. it's in person or whether it's virtual. Just getting there, my gosh, check mark, right? Mm. And you can get to those prayers and kind of, I'm just not feeling it today, but I'm here. But something about saying those words yeah. can, in the act, open you up. Mm -hmm. Open up this space for even on an unconscious level, right? Yes. I mean, yeah. I've, you know, prayed something or had a confession or assurance of grace that I, I thought I was just going through the motions on blah, 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 blah. And then the next thing I know, I'm, you know, tears begin to well up or something. It, 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 it catches you. Well, and even, we, we've talked about this, just the word sin has so much baggage to it. Um, yet we need some word to describe what it means to be fully human, which is to make mistakes. Well, and we get that every Sunday. And where else? Like, sorry, where, yeah. where else do you kind of, that's what I appreciate about it so much, is, is we are able to come into this space where we can look at our stuff, our junk, places where we have missed the mark, and we need that. That's why we do it every Sunday. Because we, we need, amen. we need to. It, it's almost like kind of keeping our, uh, keeping that baggage, keeping those areas where we know we are not who we want to be. It helps us. It puts it in the light for a, for just a few minutes. It helps us kind of. Oh yeah, yeah. I I'm I'm working on that. That that's an area where I need to keep. I keep striving. God is inviting me to um, uh, offer that up and begin again every week. And it's a reminder that perfection is not necessary. Perfection's not possible. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a reminder that, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm broken, right? We all are. We're all broken. And A, is healing to admit it because it's true. Yeah. It helps with healing because the sooner you're honest with yourself about it, the sooner you can begin to address it. But then comes that assurance of grace, right? There comes that promise that no matter where you are, what you've done, mm -hmm. or any of the circumstances around you, nothing's going to prevent God from loving you yeah. and redeeming you. So there is this, this flow to, the, to, to liturgical worship, just like there's a flow to contemporary worship too, but there's a flow to liturgical that I, I have found to be so meaningful. So to come in and that call to worship, we're here for a specific reason, mm -hmm. a confession, receive the insurance, and then to pass the peace. It's, it's this, it is a way of saying hello to your neighbors, but it's also a way of saying, hey, we together have been redeemed. We are being redeemed every day by the grace of God, and yep. we're going to celebrate that together. There's something that has been meaningful. communal about the Christian faith, and the passing of the peace really helps exemplify that. Mm -hmm. We can't be Christian on our own. Yep. You know, to be Christian is to share peace is to share the love and grace of Jesus Christ. And you can't do that as a hermit. <laughs> you just can't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, different traditions have different expressions of that, I suppose, but I just fundamentally believe Christianity is a call to community and, and the peace of Christ every week really calls that forth. Mm -hmm. And then we always have scripture read and scripture proclaimed with sermons and songs. Mm -hmm. And part of being a liturgical uh, service means that our songs, by and large, are 
not, how do we say this? They're, the songs are very intentionally selected for the theme of that service. Oftentimes that's through hymns and, and hymnals that have, you know, that, that either proclaim scripture or, or a theological kind of truth that ties into the scripture we're reading and the, it's the theme of that service. For example, this past week, our worship service was on the courage to seek help. Mm -hmm. You know, and all, if, if you pay close attention, you'll notice all the hymns and all the music that was sung and proclaimed revolves around that theme of either admitting to our need for help or uh, God's call for us to always be willing to help our neighbors in need. Mm -hmm. I mean, so the music in a liturgical service is certainly... Um, just as intentional as the words that go in the litanies. Mm -hmm. yep. And I think that's a pretty significant um, differentiation, perhaps, between liturgical worship and non-liturgical worship. And it's not that one kind of music is better than the other. Rather, it's in liturgical music, the music is very, very intentional. Mm -hmm. Yep. One other aspect I'll, I'll add, too, is how uh, our years built around specific seasons in the Very church, right? So right now, and you can walk into our worship space and you'll see in a few places the color purple, right? It's draped over our communion table. It's coming down on the pulpit and that purple signifies, oh, we're in the season of Lent. Um, when we get to Advent, you'll see... You'll see um, purple. You'll see blue. You'll see purple. No, it's blue. It's purple. It's I'll, blue or purple. I, well, really but we is. usually, I will be wearing a blue stole. I will wear a purple stole. Oh, gosh. <clears throat> Anyways. When you get to Pentecost, it's red because red's the color of the Holy Spirit. Yep. When you get to Easter, it's white. Because white's the color of Easter. Yeah. And Easter is not just a Sunday, right? Easter is a season, it's a season. in our church. It's a season. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Six weeks. Mm -hmm. Yep. But, um, I, I love and I struggle with Advent and these same scriptures every year. I love it. It's also very challenging from a preaching perspective because you're getting these same ones every time. Oh but at the same time, each year we come back and it's like, okay, yeah. here we go with John the Baptist. And here we go with Jesus speaking in apocalyptic yeah. terms. But there's also something about, like, I've come to realize, wow, at the same time, we need those scriptures uh, in the midst of mm -hmm. the culture around us that is just so yeah. different. Like, they kind of, those scriptures we read in, in that season ground us. We need them. I, I actually, while they challenge me, I cling to them at the same time, you know? The, the liturgical seasons remind us of these themes that we need reminding of they keep us coming back to these truths that that we need to perpetually be putting in front of ourselves like advent the 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 call to look for christ to prepare the way for christ to to, to make a way for christ in our own lives in our own hearts and in the world around you you know it's a, such a crucial call that it, without advent would be so easy to just kind of eh, yeah christmas is coming yeah. jesus is coming um and let's celebrate that God came in Jesus Christ without doing any of the reflection or any of the work on actually yeah. making way for radical new truth and love and life to enter into the world. Yeah. You know? 
there's something about um, the that structure, um, and it can become rote for you. It also can become life-giving too. It, it it can become there can be this normalcy to it that it speaks to um, uh, it speaks to a certain kind of period throughout mm -hmm. the year. So when I was my first time as a, as a youth director, I was a I was at a Lutheran church. We were just talking before we hit record that they are more high church when it comes to liturgical worship. Usually. And this one was, they had two services, 845 and 11, and 11, 845 was a little more, a little more um, contemporary and casual, and it was very traditional, especially mm -hmm. on Communion Sunday. We had this lengthy liturgy, these songs, we had this prayer book, and this and the um, Communion liturgy we'd sing every first Sunday of the month. And I remember on my my last Sunday there, I was leaving and was going to be uh, moving to Chicago for a year and was going to be, uh, be going to be a part of, I was going to intentionally find a more contemporary service. Um, and uh, we were in the midst of this liturgy and saying, we'd sing, this is the feast of God every, every first Sunday. And I was kind of thinking in that moment about my time there. And, and I had struggled at times with that kind of, very high liturgical worship, mm -hmm. but in that moment, I went. I'm going to actually miss this a little bit. Yeah, I'm going to miss it. It it brought me into experiencing the Lord's Supper in a way that I didn't realize. In a very intentional way. Very intentional way. I had that song. This is the feast of God. Was in my head. It was. It was. It was kind of in my kind of understanding of worship, and to not take communion without that song I realized mm. I'm going to mm. miss this a little That's bit right. and I didn't I didn't see that coming at all That's exactly how it digs in even unconsciously it right digs in. It makes a difference even when we're not aware that it's making a difference Absolutely yep And that also touches on something within liturgical worship itself is that there's different degrees of liturgy Right, so uh, we worship we we have liturgical worship services, but within the context of all the churches that have liturgical worship, some would come here and say, "Oh, you have very low liturgy here," meaning we're not pulling out prayer books mm -hmm. or worship books, meaning that our um, our liturgies use um, common everyday run-of-the-mill English you know there's 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 not a great deal of formality in, in that we'll we're willing to end a phrase in a preposition because it feels more natural you know um, that kind of stuff whereas uh, you know I have a really dear friend whom I love who uh, was Presbyterian all his life uh, and then in his mid-40s he uncovered this deep and abiding love for higher liturgy uh, and he found it in the Episcopal tradition. Yeah, you're going to find it there. Um, and he fell in love with the depth of, you know, their prayers and their calls and their uh, confessions. And um, after spending his life in the Presbyterian Church, he's now an Episcopal priest. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it, it was the liturgy uh, over everything that is, you know, that really pulled him in. Because he just he just found such depth in the intentionality, 
in their liturgy. So Episcopal would come here and say, yeah, we're pretty... Yeah, so there's there's differing degrees of even how yeah. formal and intentional the liturgy is. I'm not intentional because I think all all litanies in liturgy is very intentional. Um, but like talking about a prayer book or a song book like that in the in the Lutheran tradition. Yep. Um, and there's Presbyterian churches. You know, they they can have a service without any liturgy at all, and then they can have a service with very formal liturgy. Yep. There's, it's not that one is right and one is wrong. It's just yeah. this is who we are, and this is why why we are a liturgical a liturgical worship. Uh, and we church. think that there are some hidden gifts in this style of worship. Amen. Yeah. Thanks for being with us, everybody. We will be back after Easter. We're going to take next week off. Uh, oh, this one's going to drop during Holy Week, but we'll be back after Easter, maybe. Oh, that's going to drop. And Go until ahead. then, <laughs> what? Yeah, we're not right. Well, it's just correct. Us. Yeah, tell us what. I, this one's going to drop the week after Easter. Week after yes. Easter. Thank you. Until next time, we will see you at worship in person or online. We'll see you Sunday and beyond. The, um, I was gonna say the following Sunday. No. <laughs> What an anticlimactic end. Peace out. Have a good day.